kids and workers can make your way on back. This past week, I was able to celebrate my 21st wedding anniversary, and we had a wonderful time out to eat and to spend time together. Some of you sent some cards and did say happy anniversary, so thank you for that. I had memories of the past um, that came to mind. I even saw yesterday a car that looked just like my father-in-law's car, which when I first met him, he made me drive that in Chicago traffic to see how good of a driver I was. And I had driven down in those, in those busy traffic for just a couple times. And so he said, no, no, you drive. I want to see how you do. Oftentimes when there is a young man and he nervously steps in front of a parent, a father, to ask for the hand of his daughter, there are multiple questions that might come up. But there is one question that oftentimes comes up. I don't think it's a bad question. I think it's a good question. A question that comes up oftentimes when a father's about to hand his precious girl over to some boy is how are you going to take care of my daughter? How do you plan on providing for my daughter? Putting food on the table and putting a roof over her head. I think that question might um, help us a little bit as we approach our time today. I'd like for us to stop one more time and pray and ask for God's wisdom. Heavenly Father, we do come to you with an expectation that you will be involved. I praise you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as some have anticipated that the Holy Spirit would be right here doing the wonderful ministry of teaching. I thank you for the chance I've had to look over these verses, to study them and to put some thoughts together. But I know that there is nothing that I could do that could even touch what the Holy Spirit would do. And so... I think you've already been working in some hearts and I would ask that you would um, clear as much distraction as you could from our minds. I know there are so many things that would draw our thoughts and would try to call us away from this time spent around your word and I would ask God that you would help us to be intentional about paying attention to what's going on in your word here, how it applies to our lives so that you could be more pleased with how we walk in this world. I pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever wondered where the phrase, good help is hard to find, came from? Likely all of us have heard that before, and I want to suggest that likely it came from the fact that good help is hard to find. On the other side of that, many bosses and employers would say that good helpers, good workers are hard to find. Why is that? Why is this such a struggle and not just for the day we live in, in the country that we live in, but why has this been going on for thousands of years? I think as we look at those questions, why is good work hard to find, good workers, and why is a good job hard to find, we might sometimes look at something that is a common denominator, and I think a common denominator, both within employees and employers, is going to be the problem of greed. Most people are not out there without some kind of a motivation to advance themselves. There are a number of directions we could go when talking about work, the believer's responsibility to take care of his family. 
in the workplace? What are we to do? I think that we are called to do the best that we can where God has us and even shoot to advance if we can and to use the gifts that God has given us, the abilities in a way that is clearly reflective of of what he has done in our lives. Most employees are selfish and self-serving and will do the least amount that is expected of them if they can get away from that. You only have to go into a business and kind of look around the corner where nobody sees sometimes to maybe see somebody goofing off. I talked to one manager just this past week and they mentioned that to me. They gave a task for someone to do and then they were off doing some other business and their boss over them came and said, what's going on? Well, he's doing his job. No, he's not. Found something else to go and do that he wanted to do. It's sad to think that people will try to get away with the minimum, but we understand that. And it's also sad that most employers are selfish and are self-serving, and they want to give the least that they can in order to stay in business. Well, what are you and I as Christians supposed to do with this? What do you do with this dilemma? Because you can't avoid it. It's going to be a part of you, whether you're an employer or an employee. Sometimes we do feel like a fish out of water. Maybe you've had the experience of conducting yourself in really an above approach kind of way, only to get no reward for it, only to have somebody else take advantage. The employer maybe smile and, you know, put that profit in his pocket, and it seemed like it wasn't quite worth it. What's the solution? Maybe it's that we only work for Christian organizations, right? So we all just work for maybe a church or Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A, and then all of our problems go away in this area, right? No, they don't. They don't go away. And besides, that's not really feasible to do that. And also, it would rob most of us of a huge opportunity that we have to connect to people outside of the family of God. And so what are we to do? I'm gonna give you a couple applications for you to take down and then we'll come back to these at the end and get a little more specific. Number one, I'm going to encourage us from our text today to do your job as if you were working to complete a task for Jesus Christ himself. And that's, that's pretty lofty language there. The task that you go to do as if you're doing it for Jesus himself. And I'm going to work to convince you from God's word that the job that you do, whether it be, you know, frying up burgers or whether it be conducting a large business meeting, whatever it is, every believer should do his or her job as if Christ were the one that you were doing that task for. I might have my work cut out for me to convince some of you of that. Number two, I'm going to try to convince you to keep in mind the eternal reward that is given, and here it is, for those who do their jobs well. And I'm not talking about for those who do their Christian jobs well. I'm not talking about producing spiritual fruit here and doing that job well. I'm talking about wherever you go off to work. We'll also see um, a smaller application of the employers. If you oversee people, if you're a manager, 
There is an expectation that you're going to do what you're doing with an accountability to God, and we want you to keep in mind that God is keeping track of all of this and is a rewarder of those who do a good job. Ultimately, for the Christian, we do not do our work just because the boss is watching. I can remember vividly an illustration I heard years ago of of someone um, at a, a place of work, and people were starting to whisper, and what they were saying was, the boss is here. And they'd go over here, the boss is here. Look over, the boss is here, they'd say. So they're spreading the word. The boss is here. Why are they doing that? They're warning them, right? They can sit up straight, make sure they're not, don't have solitaire open on their computer, you know. The boss is here. And that stood out to me because it was kind of foreign to me. I thought, boy, that's sad. It's sad that we would be working our task, our job in our day, and we would benefit from somebody coming and telling us someone's going to be watching over you very soon. I want to suggest that God is watching over us. We do what we do because God is the one that is watching over, so we do that task as if we're doing it for Jesus himself and also because he is the one that is checking and evaluating and will give us our due. And I think that's fair to say. There's an old story that um, it, it hasn't got a lot of traction, but I thought it helped me with understanding this process. On February 22nd, 1899, there was a man named Elbert Hubbard. He was the editor of a small magazine, and he needed one filler piece for that magazine. And so he knew a little story from history not too long ago, and he sat down and he, he, he plugged away and in less than an hour he wrote this little filler piece for his magazine. He didn't even give it a title, all right? It was just being put in there to, um, you know, get the magazine full. And as he did that, the magazine went to print and a few weeks later, sometimes they would get a request for a reprint of, um, of that specific magazine, A few weeks later, there was a request for a dozen copies of that magazine to be printed off and given. And then shortly after that, there was another request for 50 copies of the magazine. And then after that, there was a request for for 100 copies of that magazine. And he started to get suspicious as to what was going on because pretty soon there was a a request for 1,000 copies. This is 1899. 1,000 copies of that magazine. He went to one of his colleagues and he said, what's going on? Why, why are there so many requests for this? This is getting to take, all, take up all of our time. And his colleague told him it was that article that you wrote. He couldn't call it what it was because it didn't have a name. That's why we're getting all these requests. And then shortly after that, there was a request from the president of an American railroad company. And he asked for 100,000 copies of this little magazine. Well, they couldn't fill that order. They couldn't do it. He, he connected with him and he said, we, we can't do this. It would take me two years to fill an order like that. And so the president of that railroad company secured permission to print it for himself. And he had over a million copies of it printed off. And he gave it to his employees. Well, this president of this American railroad company connected with the president of a Russian railroad company. He saw it, had it translated into Russian, and he gave it to all of his employees. 
And from there, it went into Germany, and it went to France. There was this booklet into Spain, into Turkey, and to India, and China, and Japan. In all, from this little off-the-cuff article, there were 37 languages that translated this, and there were over 40 million copies that were given out. Let me just give you a little tiny bit of the information of what it was. How in the world did this guy have the genius to write something off the cuff like that that would spark so much interest? The article did gain a title eventually through all this reprinting, and it was called A Message to Garcia. It was a history piece from an incident in the Spanish-American War. And at that point, there was a record of President McKinley And he wanted a personal message delivered to a Cuban general who was located in a very difficult place to get to. And so as President McKinley wanted this job done, there was an American officer named Rowan who was given the assignment. And this man followed the orders. He didn't have somebody overseeing him. His life was at danger when he did this. It was a huge task. And yet this officer was given this task and he went and he did it. He didn't demand more money. He didn't complain. He didn't talk about what he would get afterwards necessarily. That wasn't anything of the entire situation. He simply took his orders and despite of great danger to himself, he delivered the message. This article was extolling the faithfulness of a man who was given a job And he did his job well. And leaders over businesses saw that and they saw the need for it in their day over a hundred years ago. I suggest to us that our day is not any different. There's a huge need for individuals to understand that when they are given a task, when their boss tells them to do something, they need to do it. The reason why there is such a demand was because there was a lack of diligent, faithful employees back then. Employees have to be closely supervised. We have to get that carrot and stick in front of them to keep them moving and going, just to accomplish a job, and it's sad. Now, I will give us this. Some individuals are built differently. There are some individuals that are just lazy, They'll do the minimum that they can. There are other individuals, even apart from the Christian individuals, that are built in a way where they want to be so busy, right? They just drive themselves mercilessly with their task. And so it's not the case with everybody, but many people will default to the lowest denominator that's possible. I had the opportunity to talk to um, uh, one of the managers at a Culver's recently, And an interesting fact that I asked this manager about, because I had heard it years ago, if an individual wants to own a Culver's, it's not just that you can just have enough money and buy that Culver's and then it's going to go and make money. Culver's is my favorite restaurant, all right? I love Culver's. It's what I pick for my birthday if I can. I love custard and I love the butter burger. Culver's has done well. They stay open. You can't just, if you have enough money, open a franchise of a Culver's and have it go. There's a requirement that if you own a Culver's, you have to be present per week, 60 hours at that location. Now, some of you are saying, makes sense to me. If you're a big wig in the Culver's organization, if you have the owner there who's going to succeed or fail, 
based on how this place does, and you require him to be there 60 hours a week, well, what's going to be the trickle-down effect from that? Everyone else is going to be, you never have anybody basically saying, the boss is here, because he's almost, well, he's not almost always there, but he's there a lot of the time. It's sad that we live in a day like that. When we come to a situation like this, what do we pull away from God's word? This is where your opportunity as a Christian employee or employer comes in. Your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ should be the most important relationship of your life. And it should result in you being one of the best workers in your town. One of the best bosses in your town. So understand this. When you go to your place of work, your demeanor, your work ethic, even a cheerful spirit, These are things that people pay attention to and that send a message. Are you known for being a person that will do the task that was your job, that was assigned to you? Or are you one that has to be constantly having somebody else come and save you because you could not own up to that? You could not do that. You neglected your responsibility. These can be seen as working for Jesus Christ. And that's not a stretch, I wonder if some of you would struggle with that. Because where the rubber meets the road for many is tomorrow you're going to go to your job, you're going to get into your task, and I'm asking you to say, I'm doing this for Jesus Christ. Some of you would say, well, you don't know my boss because he's about as far away from Jesus Christ as we can get. But I want to suggest to you that if you are a follower of Jesus, this is something that is bigger than just working for an employer bigger than your paycheck and God is the one that rewards you for your diligence all right if you're not already there turn to Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6 by the way there are some times when we take in a Bible lesson and there are some individuals that think well I can't quite do this right away this is something I've got to build up to I can't apply this and and earn eternal rewards right away This is a great lesson in life from God's word that you can immediately, if you're a Christian, even tomorrow from the morning, you can automatically begin to earn something for eternity. That's a great application. So sometimes if you're discouraged about not being able to produce fruit, everyone can step up and produce something here. Let me read verses five through eight for us to start of Ephesians chapter six. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Now we're calling this part two of this message, Who Do You Work For? Last time we talked about, we really took a rabbit trail and talked about how do we as Christians deal with this issue of slavery and we spent the majority of our time talking about that. If you weren't here for that, um, you might go online and listen to the message. It's helpful when people would attack your Bible or your faith because they say, God is pro-slavery or the Bible is pro-slavery. 
We spent a lot of time going into that last time. Now, if I can just rewind a bit, and if you look in verse number one of Ephesians 6, it says a word there. It says to, for children to obey their parents. This is a lesson that all young people have to learn in one way or another. They have to obey their parents. But let me just say for all of us, when you grow up, what you do is you simply exchange one authority for another authority. And so keep that in mind. It takes some people longer to learn that lesson. Some young people don't learn that lesson very quickly. They just don't get it. One of my favorite interactions with a young man, I think he was 17 years old, and this is years ago, and um, he, was, he was in a home that had some rules, and he was a little bit tired of being told what to do. And so he had it figured out, and he let me know. He said, I'm tired of being told what to do and being given orders, and so when I'm 18, no more of that. I'm going to join the Marines when I'm 18, and I'm not having anybody tell me what to do anymore. He had, he had a rude awakening ahead of him, that young man did. He was going to be in a place where he was being told all the time what to do. You see, we get in our head that we can figure out a way to get around this. But let me encourage you, as as a worker or as a boss, don't try to figure out a way to not follow God's word. It's the best way. It might seem like a, a difficult way sometimes. It might seem like a fruitless way sometimes to go. But let me encourage you, there is no better way than what God's word says. The Christian employee is to be respectful to their boss. The word integrity should be a word that is used to describe you if you work at a company or when you're done working that job. The word integrity should be one that describes the follower of Jesus. Paul says to obey as you would obey Christ. And here's the picture here. Some of you have heard this theme talked about before the picture here is is that we do not separate our christian life from any other part of our life does that make sense it's not that we're a christian on sunday and maybe at home but we're not really living that christian life when we're on the job there is no dividing that at all he says here when you go to where you are working You need to do it as if you are working for Christ. And this is peppered all throughout the scriptures, this idea. Many of you have 1 Corinthians 10, 31 memorized. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is not just talking about when you come within the the group of the church family. Everything that you do. A sister passage to Ephesians 6 is Colossians 3. You'll find a whole lot of the same ideas repeated there. It's a great read for you, maybe after this morning. And Colossians 3, verse 23, it's one of those verses that makes it onto the coffee mugs sometimes, right? Maybe you'll see it on a tie every once in a while. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Your job is a task that is being done for Christ. It is service to Jesus. And there are too many that want to separate what their life looks like on Sunday from what it looks like to the rest, for the rest of the week. I mean, think about it. I mean, you might keep it a secret that you go to church from your colleagues, but maybe you don't. What kind of a message 
does it send if you're letting others know that you want to get away with everything that you can as well? That's a, that's a pretty good gig over here. I think I'll jump on that bandwagon. I'll try, to, I'll try to work with this group or everybody's doing it. Even my immediate supervisor says I can do this and yet there is something within that's telling you not to. Something within telling you, well, that would be stealing from the company. And let me encourage you. Here, here's what we need to do. We have to develop these convictions before we get into the workplace. There has to be a default position within each of us that when that tough time comes, our default position is the right position, God's way. Because if you wait until you're asked the question and you're weighing the pros and the cons, if you wait until then before you figure out what your ethic is going to be, it's very, very foggy. It's very difficult to make that response off the cuff if you haven't thought about it before. So here's one simple application that every one of us can take. Determine that you will never lie or be dishonest in any way on the job. I know that seems basic, but think about how many opportunities there are for you just to shade the truth a little bit, not share some information that maybe could have been shared, go along silently with what this one over here said, if you determine to always be honest in all things, then you won't have to get into that situation and understand or then and, and decide, oh, I might lose a friend if I do this or don't do this. Or I might not gain favor with my manager if I tell him this. This is where trusting God comes into play. You do right no matter what and you trust that God is gonna bless that And this is beautiful. This is something that we need to have as part of our default position. We will always do right and you need to be constantly working to develop what those are going to be. Being a Christian is a full-time job, seven days a week. Verse six there said, not by the way of eye service, not as people pleasers. Maybe you've had the experience of getting frustrated with a coworker who is not pulling his weight. And I want to suggest to you that it's not near as frustrating to have a coworker that's not pulling his weight because he's not able to as opposed to the one who is choosing not to. That's frustrating. To know that they are not doing their job and maybe you're having to wake up for it. Maybe it's hurting you or hurting the team. That's difficult. I want to suggest to you that managers know the bosses know what's going on. They know how much work is coming to you, how much is expected. They know what you're capable of, and that's why they will stretch you sometimes. They will push you to see what more you can do, and sometimes we step up to that task. Sometimes we fail. But let me encourage you to always maintain your integrity. Why are you doing what you do on the job? Now, I understand even the definition of an occupation today, the idea of some kind of paycheck falls into that definition. It's going to be there in some way. But if the only motivation for a Christian to do his job is in the paycheck, 
or in the advancement that is due to him or getting the parking space for the employee of the month or maybe their name on the wall and that plaque over there, maybe even three months in a row. If that is your only motivation, I want to suggest to you that it's going to fall short. God gives us something bigger than that. By the way, if you needed to have any extra confidence in the Word of God, this was written 2,000 years ago, about. 2,000 years ago, this was the instruction that was given to workers and to employers, bosses and slaves back then was the reference. And it applies perfectly for us today. You try to go and find something else that was written 2,000 years ago that we are just using like crazy today. You're not going to do it. This should give you a wonderful confidence in God's word. If you view what you are doing as working to please God, then you will find most of the time that it works hand in hand with pleasing your boss, all right? Not every single time, but almost all of the time. Almost all of the time, when you do what you're supposed to do, it's going to have a pragmatic effect. That means it's going to have a natural result. So even non-believers can have this as a practice and benefit from it. Here's what I I would encourage you to do. Maybe you want to write this down or develop your own little saying. If you want to work better, if if you're struggling with this, you might have something like this to say. Say before your day, before you start each morning, you go into work, especially if you struggle with it. You might say, today is a day that I can glorify God with my work. Whatever I set my hand to, I will give it my best. And tell yourself that. Let something like that drive you throughout your day. And having this attitude is going to save you some heartache. It will. What happens What happens if you're not compensated like you think you should be for your job? So you're doing your job. Let's say you're better than these three guys next to you. And let's say they get paid more than you get paid. Or they get the advancement. If that's solely what you're looking, looking for, there's going to be some heartache in that. If, you're, if you are alone working to please man and you don't get that raise, what might you do? We're pretty creative people, aren't we? A sinful people? I'll find my raise in some other way. Maybe have somebody else punch me in. Maybe take something then use that's company property. That doesn't belong to me. I'll get my raise one way or the other, oftentimes people will think. You see, we need to have a standard that is higher. We are working for our God. And what oftentimes is the reward, this is a tough one too. See if you can see where I'm going with this. What sometimes is the reward for someone who does a great job all the time? I mean, you give this person a task, they accomplish it well, and what oftentimes do they get just a little bit down the road? What do they get? They get more work, right? A harder job. Hey, I want to say you are the best worker that we've got, and so to reward you, we're going to give you the crummiest job that we possibly could. Sometimes that's what happens. And so if you do not have a higher purpose for why you're going into the workplace, you will find yourself discouraged. Having this attitude about your job is very helpful. It's very practical. 
Because we understand that even if we are not rewarded in this world, we see in verse number eight, it says, whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. If you've got something to write with, underscore that in your Bible. This is such an encouragement. You do your job well and it's not going like you think it should. You remain faithful and God will pay you back. That is not just talking about missionaries and Christian work. That's talking about every child of God in their place of work. And keeping, keep, keeping track of all this, that's what God is doing. God never forgets. His HR department is not overwhelmed and he can't keep track of how many days you were on time. That's not what it's like with God. He remembers everything. He remembers your attitude. How's your attitude when you are doing something and doing it right, someone else is doing wrong and they're not getting in trouble for it? How's your attitude? If you're doing it for the Lord, it's gonna help you with this. There was a survey that was given uh, years ago. It was given to employers and there were five categories that they asked to rate. Which ones of these are most important to you? Uh, skill to do the job, intelligence, ability to get along with others, loyalty, dependability. And I've put on the screen here the order that those employers gave back. They said the number one thing they're looking for was actually a tie. It's not a mistake there. The number one thing they were looking for was a tie between dependability and loyalty. That's what employers are looking for most of these um, abilities. The th number three was ability to get along with others. And then number four is skills to do the job kind of surprised me I mean you want somebody who is just incredibly gifted to do the job but if they're not dependable if they're not loyal I mean what good is that going to do us in the long run and then number five was intelligence and some of us are thankful for that right intelligence isn't number one they're looking for employers are looking for certain qualities in employees look, look at verse nine with me of Ephesians 6 Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And so one line here for employers, do right by your employees. Good businesses know what they're supposed to do to retain their employees, to treat them well. And we find here that there is an equal accountability to God for the bosses. Take this to heart. All right, what can we do with this as we close? What can we do? Well, I've already given you a couple things. We're gonna um, uh, expand on those just a pinch. Number one, do your job as if you were working to complete a task for Jesus himself. This is where you develop that default position in your life. We do this by daily developing a character within that makes your default set setting something that is always right. It needs to be that when you say something and somebody else says something, I'm not saying you won't be wrong sometimes, but let it, let it never be thought of you. If you've spent any amount of time at a place, well, their practice is to not tell the truth. Well, that one there, we'll just have to do some more investigating. Let it never be said that you are not honest let it never be said that you did not do your best. Doing what is right no matter where, no matter what it is, and no matter why. We're to be constantly developing our default position. Time in God's word, time around people of character. 
a dedication to good ethics. And then number two, keep in mind the eternal reward that is given to all those who are faithful on their job. And here's what this is going to involve. This involves you trusting God to do what's right. Do you trust God to do what's right? Because sometimes it doesn't seem like it's gonna pay off. But if you have, as a part of your core, I'm gonna do right no matter what, I trust that God will make this right. Maybe here in this world, but you might have to wait till you're done. You might have to wait until we reach our final home to see that God always keeps his promises. He always does what is right. And so if you're thinking to yourself, it didn't pay off. I'm not gonna keep going down that road. Understand that we have someone that is higher that we are accountable to. There's an old story about an old missionary couple. They were serving in Africa for many, many years, and this old couple were retiring, and back in this day, they did not have a pension, they did not have their retirement built up, but they were weak, and they were tired, and they were leaving their field of service in Africa that they had been in for their whole lives. And as they were leaving, they went to get on the ship to come over to America, back to New York, And as they were traveling back, it happened to be the same ship that the president was on. We find that Teddy Roosevelt was actually in Africa on a big hunt at that same time. And so he was getting on board the ship. Same one as them. And as they walked up to the ship, of course, the place there was filled with dignitaries and there was a band playing. Everyone was stretching their necks to try to see President Roosevelt. And they walked on the ship and nobody paid them any attention. Nobody was looking for them. No one was applauding them, even though they had been serving Jesus Christ for so many years. They got on that ship and it boarded its way and was making its trip across the Atlantic. And as it was going there, the old missionary, the man, he became bitter. He said, it's not right. We've given our whole life to serving God in this place and, and look at what's going on with all this hubbub about a guy on a, on a hunting expedition. And he kind of knew when they got back to the States it was gonna be the same thing and he was right. You see, they arrived to New York and there was the mayor of New York waiting to greet the president. The big newspapers were there, gonna be on the front page. The president returned. What kind of a trophy did he get while he was there? And as he thought on this, he became more and more bitter. And they left the ship and nobody greeted them when they got in New York. Nobody applauded them for their years of serving God. They had to go and find an apartment there in New York. He had to find a job to feed himself and his wife. And one night, the bitterness had grown so much, it wasn't right. He was struggling with it. And his godly wife said, why don't you go in the bedroom? Why don't you pray about this? And so the husband went in the bedroom, this retired missionary, and he laid it all out before God. President comes home, there's all this fanfare, and nobody, nobody gave us a parade. Nobody applauded us. And here we are working this difficult job just to make ends meet. When we came home, there wasn't anything for us, God. He laid his heart before God. 
After a little while, he came out of the bedroom and his countenance had changed. He wasn't, he wasn't mad. He wasn't angry anymore. His wife could tell that there was something different about him. And so she said, well, what happened? What's going on? And the old missionary said, you know what? I, I laid it all out there before God and told him all this and it just wasn't fair. And it was just as if I felt God's hand upon my shoulder and he said, but son, you're not home yet. We need to keep in mind there's something so big that we are a part of. God has made us to be one of his children and you have an opportunity, no matter if you stand in a place of teaching or a place of listening, whether your name is written on your shirt, whether you travel down to a big business meeting, every one of us is put in a place where you can do something, here it is, that will last for all eternity. Every one of you can do something. What a blessing. How practical, right? How practical. Ephesians 6, parents, children, husbands, wives, employees, employers. I hope you take this to heart. Hope you understand that tomorrow is not just another ho-hum day. Tomorrow is a day where you can do something that will have an impact for all eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for being a wonderful God. God, how sweet to know who you are. How sweet to know who we are in your sight. We sang earlier that song, Who Am I That You Would Be Mindful of Me? And God, we know that there's not too big of a group of individuals for us or for you to keep track of. You know us all by name. You know our hearts. God, you know the jobs that individuals are gonna go off to tomorrow, the difficulties. You know the people in this room that would like to quit their job. You know the ones who have been done wrong because they did right. God, we praise you for knowing us. And I would ask that you would, as only you can, just massage our hearts. Encourage us, God, to know that if we are doing right, it is not only the right thing to do, but it will be rewarded. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, we like to give opportunity for someone to pray. Maybe God's been working in your heart in some way here. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I would invite you just to pray, even at this moment, even while I'm speaking, you can accept Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of man. We're all sinners, and we can be forgiven of our sins if only ask him to forgive us and to save us. You can pray that prayer right now if you're not a Christian. Maybe God has laid something else on your heart. Perhaps there's something that you're struggling with. Maybe the Holy Spirit prompted something in your, in your mind, and you want to pray to him about that. You can do so even in the quietness of this moment. Heavenly Father, I know that this is something that affects a lot of people. And I know even a lot of people <clears throat> want to maybe keep it quiet that they're a Christian for some reasons because it's going to send mixed signals. God, I would ask that you would allow us to use the wonderful opportunity of mingling with people in the workplace. Use that in the most wonderful way that we can. I thank you for individuals that I have known that have led coworkers to Christ. I thank you for ones who have had a testimony where their life has been looked at and their walk matched their talk. 
I thank you for that, and I would pray that for our people that hear this message today.